welcome to Backing Paper for another week. It's May! Oh my goodness, it's May already. The spring flowers are springing out, the birds are singing, the rain is falling, um, but the sun is sometimes shining too. It's lovely. And you know what makes it even lovelier? It's Rachel being here. Rachel, <laughs> how are you? Hello, I'm good. I've really enjoyed um, seeing all the animals taking over again. I don't know if you've been watching that happen on uh, social media and, and the news and things, but you know, seeing all the goats running around in in Wales and uh, a, a friend, um, a neighbour up the road said earlier that they'd been down to the prom for their daily exercise uh, to Otterspool prom, and there were dolphins in the Mersey, and they they filmed them, were watching them, so that's pretty cool. They're, uh, they're taking awesome. over again, isn't that nice? Yeah. Yesterday, when I was working, I not only heard my first cuckoo, I saw huh? my first cuckoo. I've never Whoa. seen a cuckoo before, but this cuckoo was going, cuckoo, gah! cuckoo, gah! I don't. I mean, that might have not been a pitch perfect impersonation <laughs> of it. <laughs> There's something going on with that cuckoo. I don't Goodness. know quite what it was. Yeah. Um, so that's all good. Yeah, no, it is lovely. I said that it's. Um, I mean, I'm very lucky to be out and about in nature all the time, so I really get to appreciate it. But the weather has been lovely and the sheep season. Oh, yeah, it's great. Spring. Yeah, lambing spring season. Lambing season. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's what my dad used to do. He used to go and help all the sheep with the with the lambs and things. That was very cool. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what we've been up to as well. And uh, this weekend, the neighbours asked everybody to write a haiku. Uh, and put it in their window to cheer everybody up. So uh, it w- that was really, really nice as well. So uh, I got to write a haiku in about pff, 20 seconds. I was like, oh my goodness, I've never written one before. <laughs> How do you do this again? Um, but yeah, it was it was good. Mine was on lemon drizzle cake. So let's hear it then. All right, hang on. Cake's my favourite. Lemon drizzle is the best. Yum yum in my tum. <laughs> Pretty good, right? It was very good, very good. I lost count, but I'm going to assume it was correct. (laughs) Hey, I did check that. I triple checked it, in fact. So it should be okay. Um, I mean, obviously, I used a contraction, being as I put cakes as opposed cakes my favourite as opposed to cake is my favourite. But Mm -hmm. ah, whatever. Yeah, Um, yeah. It was. It's all about the taking part, as they say. Um, So that was a lot of fun as well. And uh, I went and recorded a podcast with the lensless guys just just an hour or two before we started recording so uh i i also gave them the delights of my haiku <laughs> in that so apologies if you listen to me to say it in that as well as just now <laughs> on backing paper but yeah there we go that sounds great um obviously we should address the uh absence of the elephant in the room um as we predicted show 200 has gone wandering through space and time and so there was what? no show last week we hadn't exactly intended for there to be no show as such but um you know things happened and stuff came up um and <laughs> uh so show to show 200 it's out there it's somewhere but we don't know where yet and at some point in the mysterious future, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, show two hundred will appear. Who knows where or when or Jeremy what Baramy. it will look like? Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, that's a, that's just a little reference for anybody who watches The Good Place, just in case. Okay, <laughs> I don't. I, well, they, I, I've missed that, so I'm no good with these references of modern stuff. Only old stuff. <laughs> um, 
we have got some uh, changing news to talk about, but we'll save that till the end of the show rather than do it here at the beginning because we've okay. got a smashing pile of fabulous emails to get through this week. Uh, as always, listeners have done us proud. Um, do you want to take this first one, Rach, from Dean Lastoria? Absolutely. So Dean's written in. That was me rubbing my hands together in glue uh, <laughs> at, at all the emails, by the way. Um, Dean Lestoria says, Hi, Sunbeams. My goal is to share my incompetence with the world. Though <laughs> I have so both, much Dean. to share. <laughs> ah. um, there are lots of great 620 cameras. Box cameras too for uh, Project Box Camera, which you can find at projectboxcamera.wordpress.com. Um, FPP has gone over this, but it is easiest to have two 620 spools to re-spool from 120. 120 film is the same. You spool your original 120 film stroke backing paper onto a 620 spool, and it is now backwards. Then you spool the backward film onto the other 620 spool, and it's the right way around. Everything lines up because the core is the same thickness. Now, the tape that it came with um the 120 is ripped so i reuse masking tape from all my light leaking cameras maybe don't reuse tape for this <laughs> have you ever played with a wind-up car or a wind-up mouse you know the sound of the main spring winding out well i opened up my tupperware uh, tube for the 620 and that spring sound yes the tape had given out and there goes a roll don't <laughs> cheap out on tape love your oh, show from no. dean <laughs> we know exactly what that sound is as well it's like <laughs> yeah i've had that happen before not with um the 120 tape but i think i had um spooled a roll from a bulk roll of just 35 mil and i'd used some fairly cruddy tape to attach the paper to attach the film to the um little bit in the canister and i was winding on i think i was probably using a zenit camera at the time which is already fairly brutal on film mm. and they just tore the film straight out the canister like gone oh, no um gone. also the only thing that makes re-spooling um 620 or 120 is because it's only taped on one end isn't it so we, it's mm -hmm. fine winding onto the film onto a spool one way so that you kind of got it on your one spool but when you have to wind it back onto the 620 uh, uh, yeah the 620 spool you have to kind of find the end and tape it because the the end of the um film which when you're winding it back onto the spool becomes the beginning of it as you're winding on mm. isn't taped down is it so mm. um, you kind of need to find it and tape it down otherwise it'll get caught up and um this is one of the reasons why i've never actually had a go at doing this <laughs> just like oh <laughs> i know it's not going to be that difficult but also i can see plenty of ways for me to <laughs> mess it up completely <clears throat> i have to say like the the mask the kind of almost masking tape that's on the end of something like a roll of um, FP5 or what have you as um, the Ilford 120, it's very strong, actually. You know, when you come to mm. the point where you, like, peel the peel the backing paper off the film where it is where it is attached at the other end, it's like, it's, you really have to give it a bit of welly to, to kind of do that. But it can be very useful for then attaching to a second roll of 120. Like, I've done that as, a, like, a double reel, uh, sorry, like a double film onto the reel. Um, so you can attach it to the end of another roll of 120 film and then it will just keep on um, loading onto the spiral. So you can do that mm -hmm. too. Uh, it's good for that because it is so strong, so it's not going to slip off or go anywhere. And I suppose especially when you're um, then putting your developing chemicals in and, and fixer and stuff, obviously if you're putting water onto just normal masking tape, it's going to just disintegrate and float off <laughs> and, and fall apart, isn't it? So, yeah. 
need to be careful which tape you use. Don't cheap out on tape, as Dean says. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the next email we've got in is from the delight that is Mr. Michael Gutterman from the Negative Positive Podcast, who is writing in regarding Negative Positive Podcast 80s Filter Challenge, which is quite the mouthful. Uh, he writes in, Since I recently heard Neil Piper of Soot and Whitewash Podcast shamelessly plug his contest, I'd like to announce the Negative Positive <laughs> 80s Filter Challenge. What are we even turning into here? I know, right? <laughs> I like the bulletin that, board. Well, I was going to say, hopefully they're uh, plugging us just as much. <clears throat> <laughs> We'd have to do something for them to plug a thing, Rach. Uh, yeah, um, that's true. It runs till the end of June. Uh, take cheesy, sorry, take photos with cheesy 80s style filters soft surround, star filters, prism filters, or even the amazing Kokan rainbow filter. Ooh. Submit your favourite two stereotypical 1980s style photos to Instagram with the hashtag NPP80sFilterChallenge. Bonus points to glamour shot style photos. Oh yeah, I'll bet, Mike. Or <laughs> the or the double exposure portraits with the floating head in the upper left corner. Oh, yeah. Picture-in-picture style. Yeah, exactly. Seems a bit of humorous photos could bring some levity to these weird times. As always, thanks for all you do to give me such a sunburn with the seven podcasts you all release a week. <laughs> I mean, who would do such a thing? Cheers <laughs> from Mike Gutterman at Negative Positives Podcast. Uh, I love this challenge. <laughs> um, have you got, Rach, have you got many old filters hanging around? Oh, do you know, I I <laughs> I was told off. I was told off by Adam, who was like, right, you need to sort out <laughs> you need to sort out the cameras and kit that you've got, the bits that you're actually using and the bits that need to go either in the attic or need to actually find a new home somewhere else. <laughs> they didn't get as far as that. Um, so they have gone up into the attic, but there was a whole bunch of old filters. You know, when when somebody donates like a a, a bag of old so oh I've got one of those, you know, just some random person you've met in the park and they're like hey you know you can have this old camera and you're like great uh, it's not the best kind of camera but it might be something that's fun to use or what have you but there always seems to be these odd little extra bits <laughs> in the in the bag mm. and quite often you're like well this definitely doesn't fit on the lens that's in on this camera or uh, that i've got anywhere near it but i'm sure i have something somewhere um maybe i could you know get a bit of electrical tape out and, and do, figure something out so that i can fit it on how about you? Yeah, I so I mean, obviously you pick up odd bits of pieces of filters here mm. and there. But last year, a friend um, said, "Oh, my dad's thinking of selling these. Can you have a look at them and see if they're worth anything?" And I had a look and went, "Oh, maybe." Uh, sort of cool price. Maybe sort of thirty pounds for everything. Mm. <laughs> I've never heard back from again. It's like, oh, that's your problem now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. well, cool, thank you. Um, and in there was a load of old filters. Oh. And as Mike said, I think there's some there's some good sort of spot filters and stuff like that. Oh, that I mean, sounds fun. The yeah. special effects stuff. You just look at the oh boy, <laughs> what it is so naff. I mean, it's all um, and the splitters and stuff <laughs> like this. That is sound great, don't they? Yeah. I, um, I saw that Roxanne had been doing some little uh, some little videos for MP, um, negative positives on their Facebook group actually and there was one where, she, where she'd found all these kind of like cool 80s filters and then a book about them as well which looked brilliant um, and she was colouring some acetate in I think mm -hmm. you know to kind of like make make your own kind of like split colour filters oh, and stuff cool. so 
yeah, rainbow filters and things. So I think there's ways that you can definitely do y- your own hacks sort of thing at home as well. Yeah. One of my uh, sort of isolated photographic memories of my dad. Um, I remember we were, I don't know how old it was, 10, 11, somewhere around there. And we were in the local park where I grew up in North Wales. And he was out taking pictures with, um, I think it was probably his old Zenit camera because that's what he had apparently, my mum told me. Um, and he was using, and I think I've told you this before, um, sweet wrappers uh, as a filter. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, like so Quality Street or something mm-hmm. like that. The, the the thin orange cellophane as well. So, yeah, you can, uh, there's lots of fun things to do. And it's, it, it's that classic thing of, oh, this is a great way to have some fun when you haven't got access to a lot of um, new yeah. material to shoot. It's like, well, if you're going to shoot stuff around the house, maybe take some portraits with some real dumb the filters on the front. I uh, I'm gonna dig out that bag of incredibly fungusy um, filters and uh, <laughs> give them a good clean first. Yeah, exactly, and have some fun with that. I think it's great. Do you want to take the next email, Rach? Yes. Um, does this one start all your fault? <laughs> Most of these things do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't tell if that was Mike saying it's all your fault from the previous one or if this is the start of this one. Oh, it's from John Michael. Okay. Um, who says, "Dear Sunbeams, it's all your fault." It would seem it is from this one. Mm -hmm. Um, I just went out... uh, Sorry, I just want to get that out of the way at the beginning. (laughs) It's all our fault. Um, I had been meaning to write in over the weekend, but didn't manage for reasons I will discuss shortly. Just now, I was listening to this week's episode of Backing Paper and had put it on pause to write in. So, my weekend. Friday morning, listening to episode 199 was the last push I needed, and I decided I wanted to give darkroom printing a try. Yay! Round of applause. Um, I sent a WhatsApp message to a friend who had once mentioned having an old enlarger I could try. Friday evening, said friend and her partner arrived with a a couple of boxes of stuff and we proceeded to unpack everything. Enlarger with lens, timer, trays and tongs, a drying press, a safe light, a couple of books about darkroom printing and 17 boxes of photo paper ranging in age from 10 to 40 years old. (laughs) All of this I was able to obtain in trade for a bottle of whiskey. Oh, nice win. Saturday, trip to the hardware store to get a few things and then a couple of hours trying to blacken out our bathroom window. Saturday night, first tests in the dark toilet. Early Sunday morning, went to bed. <laughs> That's the <laughs> that way it goes. familiar. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a lot of fun to try out <laughs> printing. Sorry, it actually says lat, so like it was a lot of fun. Um, to try out printing and as you guys have often said it's not very difficult to get started having no basis to start from it took me a few tries to, to figure out the ballpark of exposure and developing time and do some test strips and make some prints as I don't yet um, sorry as I don't yet have any paper developer I used Rodnall 1 to 25 to develop the paper which seemed to work well and seemed fitting uh, for some of the paper I was trying in the end I managed to make three prints on different papers that are half decent Tony's email was the perfect answer to the mail I wanted to write, namely advice for people starting out. Having gotten my first taste of darkroom printing, I am eager to do more. Thanks, Tony, for the tips and advice. I will be sure to follow your five points as I continue. I had been resisting the urge to get into darkroom printing for some time, as I knew it would be a whole new rabbit rabbit hole to fall down. But now that I'm free in free fall, I can say it's quite nice in here. Thanks for the constant encouragement and inspiration to try new things. Happy printing from John Michael, who's JM Mendeza on Instagram. 
Fantastic. That's so lovely to hear. Yeah, it oh, cool. certainly is. Um, uh, yeah, was it Damien who wrote in with the um, five points? Or was it, no, he was talking no, about was, his dark was Tony, room with the bucket, wasn't he? Yeah. Sorry, that's why I got confused. Yeah. It was Tony. Apologies, Tony. Yes. Um, no, exactly. And we were talking about this before we started recording about how I, I think darkroom printing is... Um, because so many of us, and this is a line Aid has said many times, you know, he got into photography because um, he wanted to create something artistic, but he's no good at drawing and painting. So photography was the thing for him. And, um, and the darkroom bit is the bit where you can really kind of complete that. Because uh, taking a picture is great fun, but it's when you can come to do printing that you can really start to actually express yourself in a way. And... Um, I, I, it's getting easier and easier to do it and there's more and more ways to make it simple to do at home in a confined space and uh, yeah, it's great fun um, and John Michael Mendita has actually sent us, and I will include it at the end of the show, um, a little uh, catch up on how he's getting on so far, it's the quick five minute on his adventures in printing so far mm, so brilliant. I will put that on at the end of the show um, and I think he's going to send us a few more as well, as he's um, as he said falling down the rabbit hole down and down the rabbit hole of printing um, it's great fun I like it's quite nice here <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it, it is so easy. The other day when um, I was uh, doing the YouTube thing with um, Paul and um, the lovely Michelle and um, Giles, Giles from Ilford, um, and I was sort of waiting around beforehand, and I just made a lumen print just using oh there's a fern leaf here i grabbed a piece of paper and made a lumen I print whilst print. i was waiting around. very pretty um yeah. it, it was nothing special but it was just that thing oh i i did this in 10 minutes whilst i was stood here like the it's it's so it can be so easy to just dip your toe in and once you dip your toe in and realize that, oh this isn't hard then you know start watching rachel's videos and <laughs> and it's like ah yeah you're off to the races. Um, it's yeah. great fun. Okay, this next email is from, uh, with apologies in advance, Oliver Istvan Toth, who writes in regarding the Fed 2 and watermarks. Mm. <coughs> Excuse Ooh, me. Hello. Yeah. You okay there? Um, hi, I'm sorry if I missed it. <laughs> Do you want to cough? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. But I had the impression that no one wrote to you about your Fed too. They didn't. So perhaps oh. I can bring the good news that it has an adjustable diopter, which can be set by the small lever under the film rewind knob on the left side of the camera. I hope that helps with your framing problem. This is great news. Um, I don't have my Fed 2 next to me because it's in the car at the moment because I've been taking it out to work. But that is great news. Um... It is a beautiful camera, and I am quite envious. I got one from my grandmother after I had mentioned on a family Ooh. dinner that my new hobby was for film photography. That camera has some family history attached, since my late grandfather purchased it under shady circumstances from a Red Army soldier. Oh I was quite happy with it until I realised that my grandfather dropped the camera and its rangefinder got vertically misaligned, the shutter speed knob disengaged and the lens broken. Oh no. So I traded it in with some other garbage for three rolls of 120 film. Hey listen, three rolls of 120 film is not to be sneezed at. I was also quite puzzled by what you said at the end of the last backing paper about watermarks. Surely you meant that stabiliser should be diluted in distilled water and not in, uh, like, bottled mineral water, right? But in that case, where do the watermarks come from? 
I would also suggest double checking the expiration date on the stabilizer. These chemicals can lose their oomph pretty quickly once opened. My lab is in Austria, where the water is super hard. All right, braggy. Um, but I never had any trouble with watermarks as long as I used distilled water and kept using fresh chemicals. Um, yes, I mean, I think you're quite right, Oliver. Distilled water definitely is the best thing to use. My feeling was that if you didn't have any distilled water and it was a choice between hard tap water and just still bottled mineral water the mineral water would probably be better than your tap water, if that is the mm. only choice. But, um, yeah, distilled water yeah. is definitely the ideal. Um, I know you've mentioned it in the past, haven't you, Graham, like that you bought distilled water as sort of like a 25-litre thing from yeah. from somewhere and basically just have that and, yeah, that you, you use that little tap on it to, to let out as much as you need kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's great. And it's, we just need somewhere big enough to put a 25-litre bottle yeah. of water raised up <laughs> on its really side. Um, yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, have a nice quarantine. Thank you very much, and you from <laughs> Oliver. Is that like a new card that yeah. we get now from the Happy Quarantine? Shop. Oh man. Do you want to take Thanks, this Oliver? Next one, Rach, from uh, our good friend Dank Spangle. Oh yes. So uh, trichromes. Indeed. Excellent. Ahoy, Sunny16. Remember I emailed you about me making trichromes? Well, I made a physical one. Ooh, hang on. He sent some links to Instagram. Have you had a look? I haven't checked these yet. Graham? Uh, I haven't. No, sorry, I muted myself so I could quietly choke. Oh, <laughs> are you all right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely live. Here we go. Oh, hang on okay. a second. Let me do that and then do that. And then ah, we can see these. We might be able to see them. Okay. Okay. And they look far too spectacular. Gosh darn it. These look great. All right. Hang on. I, I'm going to also have to have a quick check of these. Let's see. What? Yeah. They're beautiful, <laughs> aren't they? This is beautiful. How awesome is that? So um, I'm just looking at this first one uh, from Dank Spangle on Instagram. It's a physical trichrome um, rose print, basically. How awesome. Right. So I'm going to go back to the email just so I can carry on reading this. It says, I made monotones of the three component photos in Photoshop and inkjet printed them onto transparency film. You might think that the monotones would be red, green and blue. Turns out they have to be the opposite. So cyan, magenta and yellow. Layered together, the transparencies make a slightly ghostly colour pick. I mounted the transparencies about one millimetre apart, which gives a nice 3D effect. Look at the pick from the side and it's out of register. Viewed straight on, the image and colours come together. I used a piece of white perspex as a backing. You don't need a backlight to see the pic, just something smooth and white behind the layers. It's a pleasing object. I like that, I like that it is quite small. Each pic is about nine by 15 centimeters. So I could get all three on an A4 piece of transparency film. Um, is this a bourgeois? <laughs> Bijou? <laughs> what, what, what does that word say? Hang on a second, uh, Bijou, yes, bijou. Okay. Uh, bijou is what it is. What does that mean? Uh, small, compact. Oh, okay. Oh, like like an apartment. This is exactly. what they put on like fancy real estate. Is it compact yeah. and bijou? Okay, exactly. Right. This makes sense now. Bijou is what it is. It would be even more bijou if it was mounted in a wooden box with a lid like a daguerreotype. Talking of which, is there a fully analog way of doing this? Could, for example, the negatives be photographically printed onto glass and dyed to make the um, cyan, magenta, yellow layers? Next, a portrait. I hope Flo, my daughter, is up for more sitting still while I faff with filters. Ever yours, from A, from Anthony. That's brilliant. 
Uh, isn't it beautiful? I need to check the other one. Are they all different pieces? Yeah, because um, um, so actually, anybody listening, if you, I mean, you should already be following uh, Anthony. Yes. He is at Dank Spangle Day Day D A N K S P A N G L E. Um, and if you go to his Instagram page, you'll find um, sort of some of his most recent pictures. He's clearly got pictures of the family there, not just his daughter Flo, um, but the rest of the family as well, um, done with these trichromates, um, and they're great. They are incredibly distinct um, looking pieces. They're lovely. They are lovely pieces. And it's nice to see them mounted like that. Um, what a great idea. As to making them in a fully analog way, I'm definitely going to leave that one to somebody else to figure out. That's way above my pay grade. Get, get back to us once you've done that. It's that gorgeous. Love it. Love it. It's brilliant. Um, I will, yeah. Go on. Tell you what, Rach, do you want to read this next one as well um, from Luciano? Because this is one yes. that was responding to something that you put out this week, wasn't it? Oh, right, yes. Um, so I had a, a nice email from uh, from somebody called Luciano in Italy. Um, and it was just in response to uh, the World Pinhole Photography Day. So he said, good morning, Rachel. My name is Luciano and I'm writing from Italy. I watched with a lot of interest the work that you did uh, for Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day. I think it has an immense value. It made me understand how photography can have a very important social value, especially in a neighbourhood where people, even at a distance, are united. I'm in charge of a photo club and with pleasure I shot the article that appeared on Petapixel and shared it on our channels. Warm greeting from Italy, united in this pain that unites all people in this uncertain time. I will continue to follow your work. That was from Luciano. And I just thought it was a lovely email and it was so nice to have um, that message about the fact that somebody else had sort of like seen that there was some social value and you know a bit of cultural history and that kind of thing that was kind of really where I was going with it so we're talking about Will Pinhole Photography Day obviously and we we discussed sort of like uh, prep you know and our ideas didn't we because we recorded mm -hmm. a bit earlier in the day last weekend so that we would be able to go out and shoot and uh, and so yeah I think we're going to be probably talking more about that tomorrow uh, but it was just this nice email that that came through so I thought well I'd pass that on absolutely absolutely okay this next one titled me again from damien de mayo uh, I, I love the fact this comes with a warning warning <laughs> i haven't really been able to sleep for three days and tonight oh it's already Lord. almost 3 a.m so <gasps> if the story below is nonsense or just plain boring please disregard this email uh nope too late hello my sunshines so I'm out on the West Coast now for the last three months and I want to tell you all about our road trip adventures on the way here. With the two of us, having family and a handful of obligations both East and West, we live and work bi-coastally travelling between the New York area and the San Francisco Bay Area, Bay area and we have to bring our work with us. Oi. Gosh. With both of us having jobs that require a good amount of physical supplies or sets of tools, we make the trip by car loaded up with our gear and break up the potentially boring 3,000 mile commute with one rule. No interstate highways. All back roads and small towns with strange roadside stops and attractions. For this trip, I decided to leave the digital and take my photography completely analogue with my two favourite cameras, a bunch of film. But this time, I added a little twist. I wanted to develop and scan in real time on the road. As if life wasn't hard enough, that's me <laughs> saying that. 
Being a commute, we don't stay in one place for any length of time long enough to really set up shop, so I kept it pretty simple. My entire, my entire developing setup with the lab box developing tank, a nice addition for keeping small space motel bathroom developing tidy, clips, measuring cylinders, thermometer, and a bottle of Sinistil DF96 monobath developer. The whole kit neatly packed into an old military surplus ammunition can to keep any possible chemi chemical leaks contained along the bumpy back roads of middle America. The workflow was mostly successful, shooting strange roadside attractions by day, developing the roles that night, and then scanning the previous day's negatives. I say mostly because my negatives turned out extra grainy with my particular film and developer combination, or it may have been my fault. But it's a cool look, I guess, and in the end we got to see how our pictures came out one-hour photo style, <laughs> and it was a fun project. Anyway, I just wanted to let everyone out there in TV land know that it doesn't take much of a setup or even much time to develop their own film at home or even under the constraints of being on the road. So if you haven't already... Go for it. Uh, and that is from the lovely David DeMeo, who is, of course, Roller Pants. Roller Pants. Roller Pants. <laughs> um, I, I love this because this is, I mean, we've heard this before, but this was the dream of things like the lab box. It just making yes. it easy to chuck stuff in the bag and take it on the go and uh, shoot and develop. And the combination of the lab box and the um, sort of one-shot all-in-one developer mm -hmm. fixes you know let's like say the Sinistil yeah. and FPP have got one um and um oh there's another one as well I can't remember but anyway you know there's, there's a few of them around but it's fantastic it makes mm -hmm. it all so easy I love that I, the, the one hour photo you know sort of developing it's it's so much <laughs> it's so much quicker than it would be to do it with digital <laughs> mm -hmm. you know this is the thing that I find I, I mean I say that but it would it is for me <laughs> because because it takes me, you know, so because I don't like sitting in front of the computer and I'm working in terms of the editing on on the digital. I'd much rather be out shooting or processing it. And then if I'm shooting with film, there's so much less post production that has to be done once you get it into the computer. I find, you know, because yeah, than than the other way around. So yeah, I think that sounds brilliant. It's like you've got your images there within an hour done. You know perfect so that yeah. sounds brilliant and and you get the fun of actually doing doing the developing as well you know you get to kind of enjoy that i love the idea of just popping it all into the military surplus ammunition can there you go sorted <laughs> yeah and the other thing which i think is super valuable if you're on this kind of long trip um and you're shooting with a couple of old cameras uh, you also know the first day if there's a problem if your shutter is not working properly mm. or something like that then you know and you don't get to the end of the trip and go oh i've got 30 rolls of film let's get all these developed Ooh. and they're all because um mm. yeah that's yeah. bad things can happen so it's a good idea to have a way of checking halfway through <laughs> okay and you'll take this next one rach from christian strauff absolutely lovely christian uh it says a shout out to the community dear some beams i've got good news there's hope um, though the, the virtual photo walk trend might end at some point after the current craziness is over, right now it's a blessing because the Shoot Film Be Nice community is really amazing. People are fantastic, their work is inspiring and the conversations that you have, despite the fact that you may be thousands of kilometres apart, are brilliant. So far we have had a virtual film developing meetup. I had my first virtual photo walk with Jonathan Becker who wrote in 
last episode, which was a really nice experience. We walked and talked for almost two and a half hours and led to us writing messages on almost a daily basis to talk about film developing and other stuff. On Saturday, we had our first virtual photo walk as a group, which was ace. I encourage everyone to try it. You'll do and experience things you haven't done or experienced before. Here's a non-comprehensive list. Speaking to yourself. At least that's what people think because they don't see your headset. In English, I'm randomly laughing out loud whilst walking through your German hometown. Don't shy away from embarrassment, as I usually say. (laughs) Going to the middle of your main town square while speaking to yourself in English and dunking your waterproof camera into the fountain to take a half-submerged selfie whilst discovering a Graham lookalike sitting on a bench and staring at you. (laughs) Yes, this did happen. I actually heard this happen. I was there. I was watching. Um, having a Swede who's walking at the beach of a small island in Sweden explain to you that the only German sentence he knows is, I have a butterfly sitting on my face. And being surprised that it's neither dirty nor rude. Hi, Lucas. <laughs> How could I have a butterfly sitting on my face be dirty? Come on, I'd, Lucas. This is, this is definitely one in the mind of the speaker there. <laughs> um, meeting the lovely Rachel again. Um, it's very sweet uh, what more do you need to have a perfect day Ah, um, thanks to all the people who joined the developing meetup and the photo walks I had a fantastic time it made the whole isolation thing feel less bad thanks again to Matthew for setting up the discord server it's great for meeting people from the community and without it all of this wouldn't have happened as always keep up the good work and talk to or maybe virtually photo walk with you soon that's from Christian uh, who is a uh, at C underscore S-T-R-1. There you go. It was lovely. Um, I I accidentally joined the virtual photo walk at about six o'clock in the morning whilst I I was stood in my kitchen trying to make a cup of tea with very blurry eyes. Um, And suddenly I I heard Christian's voice coming out of my phone. (laughs) And I was like, oh, hello. (laughs) So there I was, busy making my cup of Earl Grey. Um, first thing in the morning on Saturday, I think it was. Um, so that was an interesting experience. Um, so I had to I had to double check that I definitely sort of switched it off afterwards. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, it's because I was trying to work out how this thing worked. Um, so I was like, well, I'll I'll just click on the virtual photo walk um, thread if you like in the Discord server, the Sunny Sixteen podcast Discord server. Because there's all sorts of different threads and basically like a forum in that there's different topics um, that are covered. Um, one that's like show us your pets, which is always always a great one to go and have a look at lovely furry friends. Um, there's ones on Darkroom, there's ones on Kavanaugh, there's ones on developing, there's one there's all sorts of different subjects. And there's also virtual photo walks. So if you click on that, you can literally join um, a photo walk talk through so people in different parts of the world can basically be there at a designated time click into that group and then you can hear each other all going about your photo walk individually yourselves so that was a really cool experience because I've never done something like that before where I was speaking to somebody in German in Germany and in Sweden at the same time they were both on a photo walk and I was sitting in my kitchen going I can't really walk anywhere but uh, I'm here and enjoying what you're talking about um, and I heard I heard um, Christian creating his half submerged selfie with his waterproof camera in a fountain. <laughs> so that was great. It was just really lovely and something very different and good fun. So um, this week, Graham, perhaps you might remember to put the Discord 
server link in the show notes that would be you great you never know you never <laughs> I'll know <laughs> i'll try and find it the problem is if it's not right in front of my face i never remember but um, right. hope springs keep, eternal i'll uh, keep messaging you until you do it <laughs> yeah well matthew can add it into the show notes right matthew okay. um oh, who definitely is not up to date listening to these podcasts that won't help at all <laughs> um we've got one last email uh which i forgot to put in the show notes also um because uh, i was asked to read this one out and in fact it says hi sunbeams um so uh graham please can you read this out and not rachel so let's see how this goes and this is from the lovely hillary clark who says i thought you might be interested to hear the rather strange way i came to find the podcast I thought I'd write it down rather than doing a voice recording as I'm still emo- a bit emotional about it even now. It was about three years ago and I was going through a bad patch with my photography. I was seriously thinking of giving it up as I felt I didn't have a phot- photographic identity and I'd been very downhearted by a few negative comments. I could see a lot of people concentrating on making fantastic long-term projects and I thought that my photographs were all over the place with no theme or voice and I was just constantly being distracted by the next shiny thing. Looking back, I realised I was definitely overreacting, but at the time I was very down by it all. Mojo flying out of the window and no inspiration or motivation to carry on shooting. But I thought that before I gave up completely and sold my film cameras, I'd have a listen to that podcast of the podcast that Andrew Bartram kept mentioning. <laughs> so I went and looked at your website and the show notes. It was around episode 62 or 63, I think, and Rachel had just joined the team. And there, in the middle of the show notes, were my details and a link to my Instagram account. <laughs> to say I was shocked was an understatement. I thought at first I'd been hacked and my name was popping up in random places <laughs> to say I'd won a million pounds or something. <laughs> Keep dreaming. I couldn't think of any reason why my link would be there. So I listened to the programme in great trepidation. And towards the end, I think it was you, Graham, who asked Rachel if there was anyone she wanted to give a shout out to. And she said my name. <laughs> she'd seen my Instagram account and liked my work and thought the photos I was posting were good. I was amazed and very, very grateful. Basically, I was in tears for the rest of the day and couldn't believe that at that particular moment I'd chosen to click on that particular podcast. I hadn't had any previous contact with Rachel or any of you at all at that point. The universe was certainly looking out for me that day. So I've always believed that my link to you, Sonny's, was meant to be, and thank you for being there. Special thanks to Andrew for banging on about you so much. That is what he does. And of course, extra special thanks to Rachel for restoring my self-confidence and continuing to support my various creative outlets. I still have magpie tendencies to flip from one shiny thing to the next, but thanks to you, these days I'm seeing that as a positive thing and more akin to a constant curiosity to learn new skills. Lots of love from Hillary. (laughs) 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 Rachel's just having a moment. (laughs) Um. Oh, Hillary, you broke me. Thank you for the lovely email <laughs> and letting us break oh, Rachel live on there. <laughs> Sorry, that's so lovely. I'm so, I'm so pleased that that helps Hillary. And oh, we just never we just never know, do you? You know what's what somebody else is going through or how they're feeling about their work or you know 
Yeah, or what absolutely. Have you. But, you know, there was... Well, Ayla is completely right. You know, like we, we hadn't had any contact before that or anything. She was just somebody who I'd, I'd come across on Instagram and I just thought how lovely it was, the work that she was putting out there. And uh, I, I was also feeling quite, quite like that myself at that time, uh, you know, um, questioning questioning everything and you know is what I do any good and and it was lovely to see what she was putting out there and there was it felt like to me it felt like that was very consistent you know and I could sort of see how her work is funny isn't it how how our perception of our own work is so very different from how other people see it uh, as well um oh dear oh gosh I got sorry, I got a little bit emotional there. Um, don't know if just you a little noticed. bit, right? It's just a little. Bit. <laughs> I think the, the the moral of this is, as you said, Rach, you never know what state people are going to be in and how the things that you say and what you put out there can affect them. And putting some positivity about something that you like out there in the world might just catch somebody on a day when they really need it and it can turn turn their day around turn their week around maybe even turn their month or year around if they're having a rough time um and it's really important and on the flip side of that if you're being a jerk on the internet and you're putting and you and you're putting negativity out there that can also catch people when they are not in a good place to deal with it so don't do that even if you feel like you're in some way justified to say what you think, don't be a dick. I'm not going to name anyone in particular, but I can think of some examples. You know, it costs nothing to be nice and it can make a huge difference to people. And um, as we've seen, it's Rachel's just being Rachel and being positive and nice <laughs> stopped, uh, went some way towards stopping Hillary from giving up a hobby that she loves. So that's really oh, important. And, and such a talented lady as well. Like, I mean, what what a shame that would have been for that to not have been there for us all, you know, to enjoy as well. Yeah, um, so absolutely. I'm, I'm so pleased. And, um, yeah, th- actually, uh, Hillary writing in and writing to to you, Graham, is there was this little conversation. Uh, she'd actually sort of, like, had sent a message saying, um, oh, I was just... Uh, one day I'll let you know about the story behind how I came to listen to the podcast. I'd, I had no idea it was going to be like this. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, what I was going to say is that it was a conversation that you and I then had because I thought, oh, this might be a nice idea. Mm. Don't know if you remember, Graham. I do, yeah. And, and I think you're right. Rich. I think it would be because I think uh, our journey through this hobby and all this, it's it's made up of little points, little in, in key moments. Um, and in, you know, in this case, it was one very much tied to us. But um, as we were saying, we would love to hear... We would love to hear from you guys what have been pivotal moments. Um, if they've been pivotal moments, they've been related to our podcast. <laughs> Great. But if they've just been small things, small things that have changed the way you're shooting or changed the way, you, you know, we would love to hear about it because there's often um, inciting incidents that yes. have a big yeah. effect on us. Um, yeah, that's true. It's little... It is. It's, it's those, little, those little moments that... You know, those little sort of stories that you think, oh, gosh, that was actually the reason I ended up doing that thing. Or, you know, in in this case, you know, like, what was it that, how, how did you hear about us? How did you end up coming to listen to us and, and enjoying the podcast? Or how did you, you know, realise that you really loved shooting with a TLR? Or, or, you know, what was the moment that you were like, yeah, film's a thing for me? Or any of these kinds of things. We thought it would be nice to bring a 
a sort of collection of little positive stories to the podcast and we thought we could we could read those out or you could record them obviously please feel free to record them as a little bit of audio for us and then we could play it as part of the the show so obviously we're missing our show 200 we thought maybe there's something else we can do to kind of like add these little bits of little bits of positive stories and 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 things as well for other people to share in that yeah Absolutely. So yeah, please do. If you've got got some little things like that, write into us, or as Rachel said, even better, do us a little short recording and send it into us at sunny16podcast at gmail.com, where all your mail should be sending in. You guys are doing fantastically. I'm so pleased with the emails we're getting in. Please keep them coming in. It brightens up my week every week without fail. And yeah, when we've got a little collection together, then we can do something with them. That would be lovely. Um, a few things to wrap up at the end of the show. Um, Rach, you dropped the link in uh, earlier to me about um, a blog that Richard Davis had done. Do you want to talk about this quickly? Yeah, it was just, it was just again, lovely. I saw it pop up on, on Twitter. And funnily enough, um, he was talking about coming back to film and that he uh, was originally a photographer in the RAF, which is what my dad was as well and it um so I've sort of been the middleman today because <laughs> I've I've been sending over little screenshots of it to my dad and being like look at this and he was like oh ask them about that <laughs> so it's been quite funny um but yeah Richard wrote this lovely blog post about converting uh, negatives to digital format um and was uh basically said is it all right if I read a little bit out is it okay yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, he said, as mentioned previously, I have rediscovered my interest in film photography. I last used film regularly about 16 years ago. And so since then have taken thousands upon thousands of digital images, both professionally, but also recording family life and events, holidays, etc. Most of these images are stored on a separate hard drive and catalogued in years and subfolders within each year. However, I also have countless numbers of negatives in files and elsewhere. I have sporadically scanned negatives in the past. Um, with my Nikon uh, Nikon Super Cool Scan, uh, a fantastic piece of kit which scans to a really high standard. Um, um, unfortunately, at the beginning of this lockdown period, a few weeks ago, I came to use it and I was unable to load that software, which basically controls the scanner. This was frustrating as I had just processed my first black and white film for many years and wanted to see the results on the computer in order to include them in my last blog post. After several hours of trying, I just couldn't get it working. And so eventually, after searching the internet, I found another way of digitising my film negatives. It involved taking a digital photograph of a negative and processing that image using some software. And there are some different ways you can go about it. This is how I did it. So he's talking about setting up his um, uh, spare LPL um, enlarger, uh, removing the larger head, screwing on the remaining carriage and old man Frotto tripod head, and it makes a perfect copy stand. Then using the negative light box, um, basically placing the negative into the carrier to make sure that it's sitting flat. And then as long as the camera's um, uh, screwed onto the old tripod head, it's horizontal and on the same plane. It fits nicely within the camera frame. So I just thought, again, I love the way that I think it was, it was um, Damien last week was talking about setting up an enlarger using half a bucket and a, <laughs> and, a, yes. a and what was it? it um, uh, it was a, a cup, wasn't it? Like a beer beer pong cup. Mm-hmm. And so now we've got Richard who's like taking apart an enlarger to add on a bit of a tripod and then <laughs> put his digital camera. I just think it's just brilliant. I love seeing what people do to create this. So he's basically using this in order to um to kind of like catch obviously his his um old film photographs. Um and he was just saying that actually it's really lovely to come back to film photography 
and recapture some of those memories, sort of like see them again. Um, he's a former RAF photographer who still loves um, photography, but without the need for saluting and wearing a blue uniform, he says, which made me laugh. Um, I combine my passion for photography with my love of travel, uh, often finding inspiration in the people, architecture and landscape of each country that I visit. I also enjoyed traditional film photography, which was the medium I was trained in during the 1980s. I still get a thrill from seeing a black and white image appear on photographic paper immersed in developer solution. I believe there's still a place for negatives in photography, whether they are printed in a darkroom or scanned for digital use. And I just thought it was just a really nice little blog post uh, piece and really good to see how he was creating these. So there we go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I will I will put the link to that in the show notes because the link is right in front of me. So that one will definitely Ta-da. make it. Um <laughs> couple of things i've got in the mail this week that i want to say a quick thank you for i got a lovely print from david allen i'm not sure whether i got this lovely print just as a generous gift or because it was um, <laughs> a patreon related thing because i'm not great at keeping up with whatever's going on and um, because i do support david on patreon as should everybody because he's great and um, support people you like doing stuff but it's a lovely and print on, lovely. and and on 15 negatives and on 15, yes, as we talked about, uh, length 15 negatives. Um, but it's a lovely print. Thank you very much, David. Um, also, uh, our, my very good friend, Alex Purcell, has lent me a lens this week to try out um, because it's very exciting, Rach. I get regular updates from Steve Lloyd. I nearly called him John again. <laughs> I really, I think John, John, John and Steve are the same person. Um, just one's a bit more northern than the other. Um, but um, I'm getting regular updates from Steve Lloyd about my carbon adventure camera, which is being built, which is super exciting. I think it's <laughs> coming along very nicely and I've seen the pictures and it's looking great. I think he's he's busy working well on like I think about fifteen cameras at once at the moment, so that's awesome. You've ordered and fifteen cameras? I, I haven't personally ordered fifteen, but oh. I think he's had like fifteen or so he's he's working Brilliant. on those now. Um so it's great seeing a little sort of factory line going there. Um and Anyway, it's my birthday coming up, um, which is very what, important. What? And I know. Um, <laughs> Again? Uh, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it so much last year. I thought, you know what? I'm going to make this an annual event. Um, and uh, Sinead said, an what would now, you like? Mm. Oh, thought, oh, okay. Have you got some ideas? Uh, well, the, the, you know, this is uh, an idea that Sinead was after. Like, well, the thing I could really do with is maybe another large format lens. So I'm kind of looking into that. So Alex sent me up um, his 90 millimeter lens to try out. So I've been, I had a quick play around with that today, a very quick play around with that today. Um, so that was good fun. So thank you very much, Alex. I love the fact that at these times where we um, don't have easy access to, um, you know, just packaging materials because he's not going out and grabbing stuff quite as much. He, he ended up packing it in a um, tin box, uh, and because this is Alex, this tin box has at the at some point in the past been turned been into a, a pinhole, pinhole camera. camera. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a tin box, which is also a pinhole camera. So that's pretty great. So I'm also going to play around with his pinhole camera at some point. Um, so that's fabulous. So thank you very much uh, to both of those fine, fine gentlemen. Um, before we get on to coffee, uh, should we talk about uh, our little Sunny 16 podcast update? I'm not even sure little update, but an update on the Sunny 16 podcast, Rach. Yeah, sure. So um, as basically, uh, Aid is spending almost all of every working day at the moment on conference calls uh, and just that and homeschooling his kids uh, and living that fantastic lockdown lifestyle, which I'm really quite glad I'm managing to dodge. And um, he's not feeling the love for spending his evenings on conference calls as well, which is perhaps understandable. Um, 
It's just us, isn't it? I think that's the thing. <laughs> ah, well, between you and me, it's just you, Rach. He loves me Aww. still, but... It's just... <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Um, but for that reason, and also just because, you know, at the moment, A's interests are in slightly different directions. He's, you know, he's enjoying um, he's enjoying using his instant stuff, but he's really getting into quite a lot of other stuff as well. Um, he's going to be taking a, sh- a bit of a sabbatical from doing the Sunday yes. 16 podcast. He's not leaving um, because we won't let him. Uh, we took his blood when we started this and his soul <laughs> is bound forever. But he is taking a sabbatical for the time being. Um, so he'll be, we'll be without aid for a little while. Um, but we will be looking to get some good company in to help yes. us get through this keep, difficult keep us company. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and starting this week, we are going to be joined by the quite lovely Claire Marie Bailey, who um, listeners will have heard. Oh, I think the last time Claire was on was judging what yeah, round Yeah, which round was it? it? Do you remember, Graham, when we did um, these things called Cheap Shots Challenges? I do. Do you I remember do. them vaguely in a, in a, in a misty past? Um, but yeah. They were they were quite good fun, weren't they? They were. I think maybe it's time to do another one, right? Me too. I think, I think, I think we so. should. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I think it might have been the fashion one. Maybe it was fashion. That seems. Or that the, does the, seem quite clear. Yeah, it, it does. Like I, it I think it's like, <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, really looking forward to speaking to Claire again. So Claire will yes. be with us next week. Um. And we will find a way forwards from this. Um. It's going to be great. We will. Um. Yeah, we won't be great without aid, obviously. But you know, we will. Hopefully, make it great anyway. And um, aid, enjoy your sabbatical. Um, exactly. And and you know what? If if nothing else from this period of time, we've learned that it's just about adapting, isn't it, to a new normal? <laughs> a new normal. Yep, the new normal. Uh, what a lovely expression that is. No matter how bad things get. Welcome to the new normal. I don't want this to be the new normal. This yeah. sucks. I want this to be very much not normal. And can yeah. we get back to normal, please? Oh, yeah. boy, they. Um, so yes, that's our news, um, uh, which I think does leave us with our coffee stuff, doesn't it, Rach? It does, it does. So, uh, with, yes, go on. Well, you can you can read the first one, uh, but seeing as there's a little message to go with it, and seeing as oh. you, you were on this virtual photo walk. I know, right? We had a lovely donation from Christian Straff, um, and it says very specifically, please invest in Yorkshire tea. No, just kidding. I don't know if we need to take that as a joke. That's fine, yeah. No, that's, yeah. That's, can we, is that a thing we can invest in? Can we we put our stocks and shares into Yorkshire tea? Because I think that's a winning idea. Um, Lots of tea being drunk at the moment, isn't there? So, yeah, Yeah, excellent. Obviously, we know what Christian has been doing with his lockdown period because he's been mm-hmm. organising virtual photo walks. Um, we've got some other coffee donors this week we want to say thank you to. And we've also been finding out what they've been doing during their lockdown. So who else have we got for this week, Rach? OK, this week we also have Barry Carr. Uh, oh, Barry's been using his lockdown time to give his cat cornrows. Um, so I'm not sure how his cat feels about that, but it looks fabulous. Ooh. Uh, we have Dunstan. Uh, Dunstan has decided that it's finally given the opportunity to learn Klingon. Wait a second. <laughs> so, uh, so far, I'm going to try and read. This. Can you believe there's an English to Klingon trying? Of course there is. Well, yeah, um, obviously. Uh, so, I've got the book downstairs. With with apologies for my poor pronunciation, the one sentence he's learned so far is Ha! Quest vis Miller Costa, which uh, is um, believe in film, <laughs> allegedly. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Prove me so wrong, internet. <laughs> um, Joe Baker. Uh, Joe has dug up his entire back garden and turned it into the world's smallest speedway track for him to go around on his scooter. <laughs> 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 uh, 
it would be, wouldn't it? Just like that. Um, and last but obviously not least, we have lovely Juliet Schwab. Uh, Julia has taken up coconut sculpting uh, and her works currently include a hairy egg, a small monkey face and a slightly risque swollen testicle. Oh my God. <laughs> How did we end up ending on suggestion. that? It was that your was suggestion. not, hang on, hang on. <laughs> that was, was not my suggestion. <laughs> Don't believe him, listeners. It's Thank you so much, everybody. As always, we hugely appreciate your donations. Um, it is uh, you're lovely people. We love you, and I'm very sorry. That's all we can do. Age, don't sorry. leave me. Don't leave me it's just backing paper it's not even the main show i know Um, at least i'll I'll have claire to back me up from i will be a thorn between two roses (laughs) Um, so there we go yep there we go so i think that does it for this week doesn't it rach i think it does um we hope you what was the what's the new greetings card have a happy quarantine have a happy quarantine (laughs) Um, or whatever it is but uh in fact um yes we we will be recording tomorrow for uh, or some point soon ready for the the show to go out on thursday hopefully uh, as it would normally and uh until then everybody have a lovely week have a lovely week and a happy quarantine Hello Sunbeams, this is Gilbert with the April 2020 One Shot A Day audio diary entry. I hope all of you are doing well and have survived the last month without too many upsets and that the insides of your houses are as interesting as mine has turned out to be. Although I have very much been enjoying the government allowed one walk slash cycle slash exercise a day getting out of the house. I feel like perhaps I should explain a little bit more about the way that I've been doing this project. Essentially, I found an old notebook and wrote in dates for everything in the upcoming month, and I'm trying to keep track of what it was I took a photograph of, what film I used, and which camera I've been using. I had thought about doing everything and shutter speed and aperture that I shot at, but Aside from 5x4, that's probably slightly insane, sort of over-cataloguing, even for me. Although, at the current moment, I probably would have the time to do that. But it's just helped me remember what I did and what days I did it on. Although, a few times I've gone back and looked at things and wondered what the hell I was doing, or I've taken a shot and it's turned out to be very blurry. And that's been some encouragement to take more than one or two things a day with the hope that at least a few of them will turn out all right. I haven't had any particular problems in that regard for failures of films or cameras or anything along those lines. Um, most things seem to be amazingly working pretty well at the moment. So that's uh, that's been a nice thing. What else have I been doing along these lines? It hasn't just been your standard cameras. As it was World Pinhole Day on Sunday, I... Well, actually, funnily enough, I've had this idea of making a large 
pinhole camera for a long time and I didn't actually realise it was pinhole day until after the fact. It just so happened that on that particular sunny Sunday, I thought it was time I found a suitable cardboard box in someone's recycling when I was going past. And I built myself a 45 centimetre cubed, or near enough, giant pinhole camera. Why, you might ask, do I need such a gigantic pinhole camera? And it's because I was intending to shoot some very large x-ray film that a friend of mine gave to me. He was, well, he still is a vet student, and one of the practices that he was working in was throwing it out, so he thought I might like some. And this seemed like a perfect opportunity to use it. I've had some troubles with it, given that it's very, very soft and has emulsion on both sides, so it's not really much fun to handle. And trying to develop it in large trays, it just inevitably gets scratched. Of course, of all the shots I did as well, the first one came out marvellously, and then the rest of them were all rather overdeveloped and foggy, and I can't quite work out the perfect moment to just rip them out of the bath and stick them in the stop because it seems to be that you can't really let them go to completion or they will just turn out completely fogged. The rest of it was a fairly simple thing. It was just a cardboard box and I got a small piece of aluminium can, poked a hole and sanded it until it had a nice round hole that was supposedly the right the right dimensions for the camera that I was making. I used a rather handy sight, albeit it looks like it's from about 1998, called Mr. Pinhole, to calculate the focal length and the right pinhole for the size I was using, which turned out to be surprisingly large. It was almost a millimetre, but seemed to work pretty well. My next step with uh, using these very large, well, the two reasonable, very large negatives that I got, because it was um, such a big negative, the f-stop ended up being f500, so even in bright sunlight it was about a 10 second exposure. So unless it's a sunny day, I can't really do more of them unless I wait for, I can't remember what it was, something like two or three hours. And that's with guessing what the reciprocity failure of this film might be. But I want to do some more contact prints. I talked a little bit last week about doing cyanotypes, or perhaps it was Rachel and Graham talking beforehand. And while I've run out of cyanotype sensitizer and haven't been able to get any more yet, I still do have some for what's called an argyrotype, which being the Latin for silver, it's a silver-based process. But because the silver is so small, a bit like wet plate collodion, you get brown rather than dark, as you might expect, images out of it. And it's quite beautiful, and I've had possibly slightly more luck than cyanotypes with it. But most crucially, I've got some left. And what I want to try and do is some very large contact prints from my pinhole negatives, because they're much larger than anything else that I have access to, my biggest camera being 5x4 and yeah, see what becomes of that. Out of the shots I took, the two that really worked ended up being parts of the front of my house, which is slightly annoying, but uh, it just seems to be the way these things work. But I'm hoping they will at least prove proof of concept of the whole contact printing thing, if I can get everything to be flat enough. It's going to need a very large sheet of glass and sticking my tongue at the right angle to make it all work. But hopefully, when there's another sunny day, something good will come out of it. On a similar topic of fairly large things, I have also been using this time to do more 5x4, and while I jokingly said that I wasn't going to do a month of 5x4 last week because I couldn't afford it, I still seem to have taken quite a lot of 5x4 stuff, which sort of connects with another topic that I've been thinking about a lot, which is shooting expired film. 
all the 5x4 that I think I've ever shot has been expired film, just because most of the time it's prohibitively expensive. Having a look at a few places recently, because of some of the limitations of this expired film, I've realised that maybe Fomapan is just about sort of uh, doable, but it's still, uh, you'd really have to think about each shot that you're taking, which perhaps is not really a bad thing. And with the 5x4 that I've been taking, I've realised that everything was coming out slightly underexposed, which confused me until recently I discovered that not only do you have to think about measuring everything manually and placing your image right and dealing with things that are upside down and back to front, which I seem to be getting okay with dealing with now. It's uh, a bit like riding a bicycle, I suppose. You can't do it until you can. There is also something called bellows compensation, which I think I must have been vaguely aware of in the past, but I was really wondering why things I'd taken, I'm sure that I'd got right, um, were coming out rather dark. Uh, At first I'd put it down to my film being just too old. I had a packet of Delta 400, which, looking up on the website, they don't even make in 5x4 anymore, and just thought, you know, I have to expose it two more stops, but realised that it was about a stop and a half that... I was supposed to be compensating when I was taking close-up shots, and my film probably is actually alright, which is heartening, although slightly annoying that I have half a dozen shots that could have been a little bit darker. The next expired film that I've been shooting is what I've been doing today, and I'm hoping that it will turn out, my plan is to develop it just after recording this, which is some tungsten-balanced portrait. Again, something I've never really used before, I've never particularly had reason to shoot tungsten film, and quite often you can't even get it anymore. I know there's a lot of love for the Cinestill tungsten-balanced films, but I just... It seems like a special thing to go out and use, and I've never had that particularly special thing leap out at me. But uh, one of the things that I took a photograph of was a gigantic 500-watt incandescent bulb, which seems like the perfect thing, it being a tungsten light bulb, to shoot on tungsten film although it might end up looking surprisingly not what light bulbs look like in real life, I'm realising, because it's supposed to compensate, but that might just be part of the fun. Hopefully, I'll get something out of it. It turns out metering for an incredibly bright, glowing filament directly in front of you with paler glass bits around it isn't the easiest thing in the world, but that's what shooting more than one shot is for, I suppose. The last thing that was a new experiment this week was thinking about black and white filters. I... In the Hasselblad that I inherited, it came with a few filters, and the Leica M2 that I'm borrowing off Simon came with a yellow filter, so I thought it was worth going out and giving them a little bit of a try. I put, I think, one or maybe one and a half 120 rolls with filters on some of the shots, and I can't say that I notice a huge difference of them so far, but I get the feeling it's something that will make more of a difference if I'm using it on bright sunny days or overcast days. I imagine having a green filter will lighten everything if you're taking shots of foliage, so I would quite like to give that a try. Sadly, the one thing that I don't have is a blue filter, and I quite like the idea of of seeing that if I can darken people's skin with a blue filter, but maybe that will have to wait for another day. I hope you have all managed to find some time to do some fun film-related things this month, even if it is just storing your negatives. And I am looking forward to what the next month will bring. I hope you all have a lovely May. Hello, Sunny16 hosts and listeners. 
my name is John Michael. I wanted to record a few little snippets about getting started with printing in the darkroom. I don't have any previous experience, so this will be just kind of a rambling log of what I try, what works, what doesn't work. So in this first little snippet, I want to talk about the stuff that I've got and how I want to get started. I have a bathroom with a window in it and I am able to block off the light using some tinfoil and some foam board which I very MacGyver-like tie on and that uh, does a good job of blocking out the light. A friend of mine had offered me an enlarger quite a while ago and uh, so I called her up and it was still around. So I have a Polish enlarger for 35mm film she also had trays and tongs, the timer, a safe light, the easel for putting the paper and holding it in place. Basically everything you need except for chemistry. She also brought me a box full of boxes of old paper. There are 17 boxes of various different types of paper from various different years, um, quite a lot of old Orvo paper, some Akfa Brovia paper, some slightly newer Ilford paper. It's at least priced in euros and not Deutschmark, so it's uh, a little bit newer, but also pretty old. Uh, a lot of the boxes were unopened, never used, and so I'm looking forward to trying them out. It should be interesting to see what they do. So yeah, except for chemistry, I have everything I need to get started and give it a try. Let's see what we can put together. To get started and try things out, I decided to use the chemistry that I have on hand, which is some Rodinol and some Adox Express Fixer and a water stop bath, just to try and see if I could get any images on some of this old paper. I set up the bathroom as a dark toilet, as you folks like to call it, with some boards on the bathtub as kind of a workbench, the trays with the developer stop and fixer there, and also the enlarger was also on the board on the bathtub. I picked a negative of the train station here in Germany where I live, because I think it has some nice whites and some darks in it. So I should be able to get an idea of the range of tones that uh, come through, if anything at all. I couldn't wait to get into the dark and just try printing something. So I took some of the old Orvo paper and my negative and did a test strip with uh, 20 second increments. So I had 20, 40, 60, 80, and 100 seconds um, projected onto the paper and then threw it in the developer, which was Rodinol 1 to 25 dilution for about two minutes. And lo and behold, an image actually came out on my first try, which was quite surprising to me. The 100 seconds is very dark, so I had to uh, back it down and did another test strip with 5 to 25 seconds in 5 second increments and settled on a exposure time of around 20 seconds and then I also uh, did another five seconds shading off the station itself so that the sky would get a little bit darker. Those were my first three prints and I was actually 
pretty amazed that anything came out at all. And um, they, they don't look too bad. The Orvo paper has a nice kind of glossy finish. It's a resin-coated paper. It doesn't dry very flat, so it's very wavy, but nice glossy finish and uh, good contrast. And all in all, for the first, uh, first test, they look pretty darn good. My next test was with the Aqua paper, and uh, I had a bit more problem with that one. It came out much darker on my first test strip, so I did another one as well, and then tried a couple of straight prints, but they all ended up pretty dark. The matte, uh, the Aqua paper is a bit more of a matte finish, I guess semi-gloss, and in general much less contrasty. It's a much softer paper, so everything is very, very muddy. I wasn't particularly happy with the results from that one. And then for a third test, I tried some of the Ilford paper and did a couple of test strips with that as well, and then did one print. But it was, I think it was around 2 o'clock in the morning by then, so I called it a night and headed to bed. So I actually got some images on my first attempts, and I was quite happy about that. I will set up a little page on my website so that you can actually see what it is that I'm talking about. And I will put a link in the uh, mail I send to Graham, and hopefully he'll put that in the show notes. If not, it's uh, jmm-photos.com, photos with PH, and I'm thinking of calling it test strips or something like that. So you should be able to find that even if there is no show note. Anyways, hope you enjoyed this, and I will record more when I do my next uh, session. Bye-bye.